Good morning, good morning, and welcome to Coffee and Prayer. I am Pastor Andrew F. Carter, and it is 5.30 a.m. here in Inglewood, California. As you guys are tuning in, please let me know where you're at and what time it is. I just want to welcome you guys in. Good morning, Conrad. Good morning. It's Dot Brega. What's up, Jay Plum? Grayson, Paul, hello, hello. May, happy birthday. Happy birthday. This is a great way to spend your birthday with a little bit of coffee and prayer. I love it. Good morning, Vicky. So you guys, this is a worldwide ministry. We have brothers and sisters from around the world, right? The world, Craig, like the entire world, not just the nation, not just the state, not just the city, people from around the world, New Jersey, Long Island, we got New York, we've got Switzerland in the house. We got Bay Area. What's up? Uh, what is it, Mara? We have Ottawa, Canada. I know May's from Germany, Nebraska, Kansas City. Look at that. More Canadians, Switzerland. Where are my Aussies at? Where are my people from Australia? They're usually like right here at the front seat, front row immediately. We got the Netherlands. Amen, you guys. This is a, I don't know what you want to call it. You want to call it a Bible study. You want to call it church. You want to call it service. You want to call it a gathering. All I know is that we are all here because we desire God's word. We want to know the word better. We want to know Jesus better. There's my Aussies. What's up? What's up, Kaya? Alabama. My brother Fred. Panama. California. India. King Lavelle knows what I'm talking about. Top flight security of the world, Craig. We, this is, a, this is a, a worldwide ministry of the world. We got Japan. I love it. So check it out. Uh, I'm excited this morning. I'm fired up. We are in the book of Acts. Uh, let me just kind of reset the room. If you're new, maybe this is your first time. You're like, what is this guy doing? He's crazy. He's so out of pocket right now. Um, well, I'm Pastor Andrew F. Carter. I run a church here in Inglewood, California. This thing happened by some grace of God, coffee and prayer. I woke up right before we started our very first church service and uh, like like legit kicked off our church a couple of days before. And God put it on my heart that we're going to run together. And so even on my first service, I challenged my congregation. I said, hey, let's read a, a chapter of the Bible every single day and see where that gets us. And I said, in fact, I'll go on Instagram and go live and do it with you guys. And the challenge was 30 days. And here we are about 97 days later. We're still doing one chapter of the New Testament, one chapter of the Old Testament. Um, man, today... Like I said, we are in Acts chapter 4. And again, you guys are reading this. You can read it before. You can read it during. You can read it after. I'm not reading to you. I am giving you guys some context, some food for thought, some ideas, things for you uh, to, to kind of you know meditate on, to allow God to go down into your heart and maybe work on some things. Amen? Amen. I already have my lemon water. I'm jumping right into coffee during this, but... Um, you guys, I've already been called a hypocrite this morning. I already woke up and, uh, you know, before before I, I get into my study, I, I was on Pinterest of all things. You guys, if you don't know, I, I've got Pinterest. I'm on Pinterest. I post everywhere because I'm trying to get this gospel everywhere. And uh, somebody messaged me on the 7th and just, you know, we're saying, hey, great job. Love your page. It's super inspiring. We love it. It's amazing. And I was like, oh, wow, that's great. But I haven't had a chance to respond because, as you know, I get messages on every single platform. Instagram messaged me. TikTok messaged me. Twitter messages. Uh, Facebook messages. I get LinkedIn messages, believe it or not. I've got uh, Pinterest uh, messages. Everybody messages me. And and they, they think... Or maybe, I don't know what they think, is that I'm right there and I'm just waiting for people to message me. I'm so excited. And as soon as uh, they message me, I'm just like, yes, I would love to respond. Anyway, this kid, he messaged me on the 7th of January. And when I tell you guys, like, I try my best to message and to respond. I'm not like one of those guys who I'm too cool to respond. I really try my hardest. But when there's thousands of messages and I have like a real life, it's extremely hard for me to get to them. So sometimes I might just like your comment. I might thumbs it up. I might send you an emoji. I might not even respond because sometimes they don't warrant a response. Anyway, this morning, because I didn't respond, he says, you are a hypocrite. You, you don't, you're not really the same person you are in your videos because you didn't respond to my message. <laughs> 
I just said, hey, man, I love you. And I'm sorry that I didn't get to your message in a timely fashion that that met up with your timetable. I'm sorry that I didn't take time out of my day to respond and make you feel good about yourself. But um, I can assure you that I am who I say that I am. Like like in a lot of those cases, many people wouldn't even respond. Many people wouldn't even answer. You know what I mean? And they're just like, this is crazy. It's probably some 15-year-old kid who's in his feelings and he's lashing out because he wants to be heard or felt or acknowledged. But it reminded me, how many of us are like that with God? Woo! You guys were like, where is this going? It's going somewhere. Before we get into Acts chapter 4 because it's fire. But how many of us are like that with God? Right? We ask for something I don't know, maybe a week ago, maybe a day ago, maybe a month ago, maybe a year ago, man, maybe, maybe five years ago and we don't have it. And we have the audacity to get mad and be like, God, you're not even real. You don't even love me. God, you don't even hear my prayers, right? Because you're not answering me according to my will, according to my time schedule, according to my calendar. And so we get mad and we wag our fist at God. And I'm not saying that God's like me where he's too busy, but many times, right? Many times it's like he, he he's not responding according to our timetable because maybe we're not ready. Maybe we're asking for the wrong things, right? We have to go to these separate ways. But I, I just, uh, it's funny to me how we get so upset with God when he doesn't answer. Imagine Abraham, right? How long did Abraham wait to have his son? right? It was 25 years, 25 years. Some of us get upset when we don't get what we want in 25 days, right? 25 months. Imagine waiting 25 years and keeping your faith, holding on to the truth and trusting that God is who he says he is and he's going to deliver what he says he's going to deliver. But his timing is far greater than ours. His plan is far greater than ours. Again, I wasn't ignoring this kid because I didn't want to respond to him. I wasn't, you know, and then now he thinks that I'm a hypocrite. I'm fine with that because I know my heart, it was in the right place. I just unfortunately am one man and can only respond to so many messages. It's not because I don't care or that I don't love, but it's a lot of responsibility. So if you've messaged me and I haven't gotten back to you, please have a little bit of grace and understand that this isn't my full-time job and that, uh, you know, it might be easy for you to answer the little three, four messages that you get on a daily basis. But um, I legit devote an hour to two hours a day responding to messages. And when there's, you know, it's, it's a big need. It might take me five to 10 messages a day or t five to 10 minutes to answer or to respond to a message. Okay. So maybe I get through 20 or 30 messages today. Imagine a hundred coming in. So if I'm only able to get to 20 or 30 and there's a hundred coming in a day, like just imagine the load and how challenging it could be for me. Overwhelming uh, at some times. And then to be ridiculed and the finger wagged at me or to be said that I'm not genuine or I don't really care about people. And I'm really trying my hardest, you guys. Uh, Faux free. <laughs> this ain't my job. I'm here because I love you guys. But I digress. Acts chapter 4. Holy Spirit, let's go. It is good. So as we know, okay, as we know, uh, Holy Spirit fell on Peter. Now this man, is he's talking bold. He's doing some things. We remember Peter in the garden where he cut off. He didn't even attack the soldiers. He attacked the servant. Cut off the servant's ear. We remember Peter who denied Jesus three times before the rooster crowed. We remember Peter who constantly put his foot in his mouth. Jesus, in, in one of the gospels, Jesus had to say, get behind me, Satan. Because Peter was just like, surely, Lord, we won't let you die. And he's just like, bro, that is a part of the plan. I have to. So here we see Peter, uh, Peter and John, they just healed this man for 40 years. Over 40 years, it says in this story, right at the very end, that um, that he was crippled. What did it say? He, 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 had, he was born and he was healed he was he, he was crippled for more than 40 years. He was born this way. Now, John and Peter, they go to the three o'clock prayer service. They meet him at the gate, tells him to stand up. And the guy's jumping, praising God. So while they're there and they're speaking, 
the Jewish priests, the captain of the soldiers that guarded the temple, and the Sadducees came up to them. And they were upset because the two apostles were teaching the people and were preaching that people will rise from the dead through the power of Jesus. They weren't upset that they were preaching, right? They weren't even upset that they were followers of Jesus because at this point they hadn't quite recognized that. But what they were upset about is because the Sadducees were in direct opposition. They did not believe. You have the Pharisees and the Sadducees. The Sadducees did, the Sadducees did not believe in the resurrection, in resurrection, period. They were against that. They they didn't believe that. And so they, they, they brought the guards to arrest these men, not knowing that they were followers of Christ necessarily because it hadn't been revealed to them quite yet, uh, or not because they were teaching because this was okay. Like it, it, it wasn't, it, it wasn't like the norm, but it wasn't frowned upon. Like they were like, oh, okay. But what they were teaching was in opposition. So they had these men arrested, right? They had the men arrested and because it was already late, right? They, they started at three o'clock. It was already late. They were just like, Hey, book them, Dano. We're going to keep them in jail for, for the night. They're going to spend the night in jail and we'll address this in the morning. But it says many of those people who heard Peter and John preach believed, believed they said that, you know, they, they believed what they said. So it was almost too late. They got there a little bit too late. Previously, after the day of Pentecost, when the 120 went to 3k, it says now that there was over 5,000 believers, you guys, now there was only over 5,000 believers. The Holy Spirit is moving. God is moving. So it says the next day, again, you guys are reading chapter four, but the next day they come in and uh, it lists who these people were. Remember, this was Annas, the high priest, right? That's what you have, however you want to say it. This was Caiaphas, John, and Alexander, uh, as, every, as well as everyone else from the high priest family. You guys, this is the same group of individuals who crucified Jesus, who were responsible for the death of Jesus, the ones that accused him, the ones were, who were saying, crucify him. These are the same ones who were telling, uh, what was it, Herod? Or, or Pontius Pilate, they, they, were, they were the ones who were sending them to the Romans to, to have him crucified. And so now here, these are the same ones, okay, who bring them out of jail. And they're like, bring them to me. Let, let's, let's, uh, let's chat with these guys. They made Peter and John stand before them and ask them, by what power or authority did you do this? Woo, I highlighted this. Okay, this is, I'm getting fired up. I'm getting fired up. It says, then Peter filled with the Holy Spirit. Here's the boldness of Peter. Listen to what he says. Vicky says, verses 8 through 12, fire. I had to almost highlight it. I'm just going to read it. Okay, it says, rulers of the people and you older leaders, are you questioning us about a good thing that was done to a crippled man? All right? They knew this man. He had been born crippled. Here he was. Are you asking who, uh, you asking who made him well? You want all, uh, we want all of you and all the Jewish people to know that this man was made well by the power of Jesus Christ from Nazareth. This boy is preaching, preaching the boldness, right? We remember he didn't even attack the, the, the guard in the, in the, in the garden. He swung at the servant, the dude who was probably holding the lantern. There was no boldness. He was kind of like a little weasel. He followed from behind as Jesus was arrested. And as he stood in the courtyard, he denied him three times. He was scared to be associated with Jesus. But here we see Peter, right? Peter, put your, put your foot in your mouth. Peter is now standing here in front of the very ones who sent Jesus to his death and saying, proclaiming that this man was healed by the power of Jesus Christ from Nazareth. You crucified him, but God raised him from the dead. This man was crippled, but he is now well and able to stand here before you because of the power of Jesus. You guys, if you ever felt like you failed God, you weren't good enough, you messed up, you put your foot in your mouth, you are not disqualified. Look at the transformation of Peter. He was a foul-mouthed fisherman from nowhere, right? And now this man is bringing, he's filled with the Holy Spirit in front of the very people who killed Jesus and he is preaching the gospel. Woo, I'm not done. Because then he says, Jesus is the stone that you builders rejected, which has become the cornerstone. And here in verse 12, listen to me. Jesus is the only one who can save people. His name is the only power in the world that has been given to save people. We must be saved through him. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody comes to heaven except through him. This man is fired up. Can I mean, as we're reading, we read the gospel, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. This is the life and times of Jesus Christ. Here we are. 
okay? Uh, uh, we, we can identify and understand with these believers, these followers of Jesus. These people weren't perfect. Many times they come from terrible backgrounds. They come from horrible pasts. They've made mistakes. They come from the, the, the depths, the dark places. They've been pulled out of these crevices. And here they are filled with the Holy Spirit, preaching the gospel and making an impact in the kingdom of heaven. It is multiplying from 120 to 3,000. Here we are at 5,000 people in a very short amount of time. And, and we're going to go into a little bit more. But if this doesn't get you fired up as a follower of Jesus, I, I want you guys to get excited. Because this same boldness, this same authority that they preached with, you guys, I don't know if you know, but we have the same power inside of us. We have the same boldness. Many of us get scared or we get nervous about sharing the gospel. Well, what will I say? Well, what am I going to do? Well, what if I sound silly? Well, what if it doesn't make sense? You guys, it's not us. People aren't saved, changed, and transformed by the words that we speak. Not because we have eloquent speech, not because we know the Bible cover to guff cover. God wants willing vessels. He wants you and me to say, you know what? I don't know what I'm going to say. I don't even know how I'm going to say it. But Lord, I am an empty vessel. I am not filled with this world. I want to be filled with you. Use me as you see fit. And God will put you an empty vessel in places and spaces where you will have the opportunity to proclaim the gospel, where you will be able to share the love, the peace, the truth, and the transformational power of Jesus Christ. And he does it time in and time out. You guys, I hate, let me share about myself. Although this is not about me, I want to give you guys some practicality to this. I hate speech. I hated speech. I struggled. I failed in speech class. I didn't want to get up in front because I was embarrassed. I, I, I wasn't good at school. I struggled. I, I dropped out of school as a, a freshman. I, I failed my freshman year in, in high school. I hated speech. Okay. From how you know me now, you probably couldn't tell that. I'm extremely introverted. I'm not an extrovert. I'm not somebody who's, when I'm in like situations, I'm not the life of the party. I don't want people to look at me. Right? I told you guys earlier on, I'm not like a great people person. Yet God uses me as an empty vessel to reach people. It doesn't even make sense to me. Because when I'm done with this, I like to retreat to my room, my quiet little place, because I'd much rather sit in my thoughts and in my head and be introverted. I'm not an outgoing person. I'm not running through the halls and high-fiving people. I, I, I don't like to speak, believe it or not. Yet God's using me as a vessel just because, only because I'm like, Lord, uh, I'm scared, I'm nervous. I, I don't really like to do this, but you need willing vessels. The harvest is great, but the workers are few. All he needs is an empty vessel and he will fill you. He will use you. He will give you the words to speak. He will put you in the right places in order to be used. And it's shown to us here over and over and over and over. It's, I believe that it's far easier for God to use unchurched, untrained people because he doesn't have to, un, we don't have to unlearn things, right? Many times you look at the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the teachers of the law, they knew so much that they couldn't be taught anything else. God couldn't use them because they were already set in their ways, right? It's like, uh, oh man, that's good. They were, they were already set in their ways. You can't teach an old dog new tricks. It's really hard. So when somebody's already locked in and they have this mindset and they're already, they've got their feet planted and they're already got this one belief of how God is and how things operate, it's hard to shake that up and mix it up. It's hard to do a new thing in those vessels, right? It's, whoa, doesn't the Bible say something about pouring new wine into old wineskins? Those, those old wineskins are going to break. So, so God wants, he, he loves to use the unchurched. He loves to use the untrained. He loves to use the people who are a little rough around the edges because he doesn't have to unlearn and unteach all of these bad habits. I didn't grow up in church. So I'm a vessel, right? I'm, I'm just like, Lord, I'm hungry because I didn't grow up singing songs in Sunday school. And that's not a bad thing, but I don't know these things. And so I'm this sponge and I'm soaking up the Holy Spirit and this knowledge and this information. I'm like, God, use me. Even though I don't like to do these things, I want to bring glory and honor to you with every breath that I take. I want my life to be a living sacrifice to you. The least I can do is breathe every breath and live my life on fire for you because you paid the price that I could never repay. And so I don't want this life to be about me. I want this life to be about you. I want to use all of my talents and my gifts and my resources to make you more known. And God wants to do the same thing. If you're on the other side of the screen, 
He wants to do the same thing with you. And if you're not inspired by the book of Acts where you see this foul-mouthed fisherman now preaching the boldness of the gospel in front of the very people who sent our Lord and Savior to the cross, I don't know what to tell you. I don't know what to tell you. It is, what is today, Thursday? It is Thursday morning. We are preaching the pants off. I'm wearing shorts because I'm going to go run three miles after this, but we are preaching, preaching this morning. Get excited. God's strength be made perfect in our weakness. Come on now. Amen. It is not by my strength. It is not by my might. It is not by my studies and my time spent traveling the world. And the fact that I, you know, have a, a palate for fine wine and I'm so educated and I'm, you know, none of those things are bad or wrong. I am a guy in a Jeep with a phone. I'm nobody. I am nobody. I, I pray that when you guys see me in public that you come up and you talk to me because I am not anybody special. I am a dude in a Jeep. It's not even a new Jeep. It's a 2009 Jeep. It's kind of clean because, you know, I take care of it. But I got 130 miles on this bad boy. I'm a guy in a Jeep with a phone. And, and I love Jesus. That's it. And you know what? I get up every morning and, and I say, you know what? I want today to be about you, Lord. Not about me. That's it. That's it. I am nobody. Just trying to tell everybody all about somebody who saved my soul. I love that song because that is the absolute truth. There's nothing special about me. You guys, I don't have special access. I don't got a VIP card or an exclusive card to God. My prayers aren't any more powerful than yours, right? He's never, ever like, you know, he's not letting me cut lines. He's not pulling me to the front. I'm not like when, when you're like, Andrew, pray for me. Pray for you. You pray for you. You, I mean, I will pray for you. Don't get me wrong. Like, I'm not trying to be rude. I believe that there's power in prayer and the saints coming to get, I get that. But like, people will come to me and it's like, I need your prayer. No, you don't. You don't need my prayer. What you need is to pray for yourself because you have the same access to God that I do. You better stop making it seem like I am above you or I have special access or I got a VIP card. I don't. I'm a guy in a Jeep. I'm a normal dude. You guys get it? I don't got a fast pass. Thank you. So many people, it's just like, yeah, I need your prayer. You don't know. No, stop. I'll pray for you, but you don't need anything. You need to open your Bible and realize who you are and the same authority that I have, you have. Amen? I think that people get addicted to prayer. I think people get addicted to events. People get addicted to worship. People get addicted to the feeling um, of people laying hands or placing oil. And it's just like, we need to get over that. We, uh, we're not searching for a feeling. Oh, come on, Holy Spirit. We're not even going to get through Acts chapter 4 because this is something that I've been really dealing with. Everybody's feeling. I don't feel like God's with me. I don't feel, 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 feel. I'm so tired about hearing about feelings. Like, And that sounds so insensitive, right? But, what, but when we're talking about feelings, we're talking about us. Me, me, me. I feel, I feel, I feel, I feel, I feel, I feel. I don't care. I do care because I love you. But what I want you to know is when you're talking constantly about your feelings, you're making it sound like the world revolves around you. Your life isn't about you. It's not. It's not. Your life isn't about you. Guys, hello, wake up. Your life is about Jesus. Your feelings are fleeting. My feelings can go, right? In the next five minutes, somebody could donate a hundred bucks and my feelings would be like, oh, I'm excited. And then somebody could get in the chat and be like, hey, you're ugly and my feelings can go down, right? And then somebody would be like, hey man, you're really preaching on fire and my feelings can be excited. And then I can get a text message that somebody passed away and my feelings can be sad. In a span of five minutes, I can experience 37 feelings, okay? Do, do any of my feelings change who God is? No. <laughs> No. Do any of my feelings change the reality that Jesus Christ died on the cross for my sins? No. Do my feelings change the fact that I'm saved? No. Although my feelings are like this every single day. I'm sad. I'm happy. I'm tired. I'm depressed. I'm anxious. I'm hungry. Like whatever my feelings. Stop idolizing your feelings. Okay. And what I'm trying to say is I have feelings too. And they are an emotional roller coaster. If you guys can any, like you see how passionate I get. Imagine like my feelings. My feelings are an emotional roller coaster, right? If I would allow my feelings to become my reality, I would be psychotic. 
I'd be crazy. I have to constantly know that the truth. I feel alone. Am I alone? No, I'm not. God says that he will never leave me nor forsake me. That's truth. So I'm not alone. So my feelings are false. It, it might be sad. I might be lonely. I can acknowledge that for a moment, but I can't allow that to rule me. I must come back to truth every single time. Stop letting your feelings dictate your actions and dictate your reality. That's where I'm going to stop right there. Right? That's where I'm going to stop right there on feelings. It's a lot. It is a lot. It's a lot. Everybody is in the messages. I feel like this. I feel like this. And my response is, what does the Bible say? What does the Bible say about that? Not about your feelings, but about your situation. Fill in the blank. I feel scared. What does the Bible say about it? Stop feeling scared. And again, I'm not trying to be insensitive, right? I'm losing people. People are just like, man, this guy, he don't even care about people. I do. The, the issue is I care so much that I'm, I don't want to see you walking with your head bowed down and ruled by your feelings and emotions. I care so much that you need a little bit of tough love. You need somebody to say, hey, buck up, champ. Here, let me pat you on the back. Chin up, right? Like dust yourself off. Get up and let's keep going. We don't have time to sit back and feel sorry for ourselves because at the end of the day, we have Jesus. My joy comes from my knowing who Jesus is and who I am in his eyes, not because of my feelings. That doesn't mean that I'm not going to experience things that are tough. I might experience, um, I might experience grief and sadness and depression and fear and worry and anxiousness. Those things pop up, right? Those things pop up. And, and, and I'm not saying not to experience those or feel those, but don't allow them to define you, right? Right? And I, I, I saw something. I think people have, have to understand who deal with mental health can't deal with too many problems from others. It's a lot and it's stressful uh, to be more mindful. I believe that um, I believe that a lot of issues from mental health stem from their lack of understanding and knowing the truth. So I understand that there's chemical imbalances. I believe that you know, in some extreme cases, that medication might be uh, uh, necessary. So I'm not saying that, and you guys don't have to agree with that. Uh, there, there's some Christians who are just like, the only thing you need for mental health is a you know your Bible and truth. And it's like my mom. I grew up with a manic depressive bipolar mom. My mother. As much truth and gospel and prayer and fasting that she has, she needs medication because she is like a roller coaster. I'm afraid to see her off of it. And we've tried prayer. We've tried fasting. We've tried all of these things. Homegirl needs a little bit of medication. Just going to keep it real. But that doesn't negate the fact that she still needs. And what I've seen is that it's changed and her dosage has become lower and less and less and less as she gets a better grip and understanding of who she is, right? As she gets a better understanding of who God says that she is. And as she gets a better understanding and she starts to stand on truth, she's able to lower that and lower that and get a better understanding of reality because her reality, because of her mental health issues, is constantly in flux because she goes on her feelings and her emotions. But as she's steadying herself in her identity in Christ, the less that she needs that because now she understands that as her feelings and emotions go like this, she can stand on truth, right? They can stand on truth. Amen? Yeah, that's a, that's a controversial topic that I would love to get into at some point, not today. Um, ooh, the, the, I mean, and that's something that's good. The need for medication, because there's so many different uh, ideologies and thoughts. And again, these are secondary issues. Okay, this is a secondary, this is exactly what I'm talking about. So you might have a stance on medicine and somebody else might have an opposite stance on medicine. Guess what? We have something more in common. We're both believers in Jesus and we're here trying to save souls. So this isn't because you might be like, I'm against medicine. Doesn't mean that you're not saved or you're not making an impact in the kingdom. And somebody else might be like, I'm all for it. Doesn't mean that you're not saved and that you're not making an impact in the kingdom of heaven. This is a secondary issue. And this is what we're going to talk about as we move forward in the book of Acts is we can agree to disagree on some things. There's primary issues that we cannot disagree on, right? Like the death, burial, and resurrection, the burial in a tomb. Let me just clear that up. God, I'm petty. That was like four days ago and I'm still bringing it up. Like now, every time I say burial, I have to make sure that you guys know that I am aware that he was put in a tomb. <laughs> My pettiness knows no bounds. Unfortunately, uh, I am a man and I'm a human being and I 
need to work on that. That's a heart posture. I'm going to change. I'm not going to do it anymore. I'm not going to bring it up anymore. Okay. If you guys like, what is he talking about? We had a slight disagreement because I used the term burial and somebody had to righteously correct me and say he wasn't buried, brother Carter. He was placed in a tomb. <laughs> and I was just like, yes, I'm aware. And that's considered burial. Uh, it's the same thing. And so we had a slight disagreement in the comments and people were coming to my defense and some people were, you know, rooting them on. And here I am speaking in a Batman voice for absolutely no reason. We're going to change the topic. Oh, Acts chapter four, that splashed in my face. That's got, that's a rebuke in real time. <laughs> Vic says, let it go, Andrew. I'm working on it. I'm a work in progress. So here we go. The Jewish leaders saw that Peter and John were not afraid to speak. Okay. And they understood that these men had no special training or education and they were amazed. Okay. So here's these two guys, these two ragamuffins. Okay. They're fishermen, foul mouthed fishermen. Who are these men? Here they are speaking with authority and boldness, talking about Jesus. Didn't we just kill this guy? And now we've got these guys here preaching boldly, unafraid to speak. And they're not even like, they're not even being formal with us. They're not afraid of us. They understand that we have the power to potentially ruin them and their families, yet they are not afraid. But they were amazed. And it says, then they realized it came to them that Peter and John had been with Jesus. It was like a, draw, a, a jaw drop moment. They're there and they're just like, oh my goodness. Because they saw the healed man standing there. So they saw, they, they saw him standing there beside the apostles. They could say nothing against him. So as they're speaking, they go, oh man, John and Peter, they were with Jesus. And then they look and they see the man who had been healed from being crippled for over 40 years. And they look back at him and that's a miracle because they know him because he's been standing out there panhandling for 40 years. Maybe not 40. He wasn't panhandling as a baby, but he's been out there for a hot minute. And they're just like, oh my gosh, this is no good. You guys are free to go. So they send them on their way. They couldn't hold anything against them. But immediately after they began to talk and they're like, what should we do with these men? Everyone in Jerusalem knows they have done a great miracle and we can't say that it's not true, right? The proof's in the pudding. This dude was jumping and praising a second ago. He couldn't walk, but to keep it from spreading among the people, we must warn them not to talk to people anymore about using that name, right? We better warn them. So they were like, Hey, go get them, bring them back. They bring John and Peter back and they say, uh, Hey, you're not allowed to speak or teach in the name of Jesus. Woo! But listen, in verse 19, Peter and John answered them, you decide, you decide what God wants, right? Should we obey you or should we obey God? We cannot keep quiet. We must speak about what we have seen and heard. My Lord, I pray that we get that same boldness and conviction. A lot of us are scared to share our testimony. And, and, and this isn't a knock. How many of you guys are nervous to share your testimony? based on how it will be received, based on how people will look at you, based on how people will judge you. Maybe it will change people's opinion about you. Maybe people aren't going to like you anymore because you're one of those Jesus freaks. You're on fire for Jesus. You're All you do is talk about Jesus. Can we talk about something else? Can we talk about something? No, we can't talk about anything else because th there's an eternity separated from God. You guys don't understand the seriousness of this. You're here for a little while. You're not promised tomorrow. I want you to know where I stand. I want you to have every opportunity to receive Jesus Christ as your savior. I want every I want you to I want you to have every opportunity to make a decision. I will not be quiet about Jesus. I will not stop posting about Jesus. I will not stop sharing about Jesus. I will not stop wearing him on my shirt and wearing him on my hat and wearing him on my sleeve. I will not stop being passionate about Jesus. Should we obey man? Should we obey our friends? We're just like you're too much. That's too much Jesus. Gosh, it's it's a lot. Would you just tone it down? I don't mind that you believe, but would you just tone it down? I'm sorry. I don't have a volume switch. I don't have an adjuster. Okay. I'm not a radio. I've got one frequency for Christ and it's on. It is go. He says, well, should we obey you or God? We cannot keep quiet. I can't stop talking about it. This should be your heart posture. I, I've said this before. It is not a compliment when somebody goes, oh, wow. I didn't even know you were a Christian. That should be one of the biggest slaps in the face that you have ever heard. 
If you are in a workplace, if you are in uh, a school, if you are in uh, a basketball team, I don't know what you're doing. You're playing bingo. You're in a knitting club. If you are in a book club, if you are somewhere, God has you in a space and a place. And and as you're sharing, you share your faith and somebody goes, man, I've known you for years and I didn't even know you were a Christian. That is not a compliment. There should never be any doubt of where you stand, who you are, what you believe. You should not be watering yourself down to make other people feel more comfortable. That's kind of the point, right? Imagine you were in a dark room. This world is a dark room. And if I walked in, everybody was sleeping and I walked into a dark room and I turned on the light, what would happen? People would start groaning and grumbling and rubbing their eyes. Turn that light off. What are you doing? Why, why are you shining that light in this dark place? Cut it off. You guys, I'm here to tell you that we are called to be lights of this world. I want to be a bright light in this world. When I walk into a room, I want the demons and devils in that place to shudder. And I want people to say, God, Andrew, turn that light off. Why are you shining so bright? You're telling me about this Jesus. I can't go back to sleep. I can't go back to sleep in this dark world because the light is so bright. It's disrupting me. What do I have to do to turn this light off? Nothing, bro. You got to accept Jesus. I want my light to shine so bright that it disrupts and disturbs the evil in this world. I want them to ask me to, yeah, oh man, can you, we can't even hang out with you no more because you are so much of a light for Christ. That's a compliment because guess what? I've done my job. I've planted my seeds. I've done what I've been called to do in this place. If your people are leaving you or asking you to go away or they're not returning your calls because you're too on fire for Jesus, mission accomplished. Oh, but it's lonely. That's fine. You have God. You have God. We, you just took it out. We need people to wake up. We need people to wake up. We cannot keep quiet. We must speak about what we have seen and heard. Too many of us have been beaten into silence. We've been ridiculed. We allow the opinions of other people, our hurt feelings. There we go. Feelings again. We get our feelings hurt. Right? There's a couple of people who, 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 will, who will say, oh, you're too much. Turn it down. Gosh, I love hanging out with you, but can we talk about something besides Jesus? Uh, we, we allow those things to, we start dimming our light. Don't make me use props today. I'm using props again today, people. That's what we're going to do. So you, you get saved. You're on fire for Christ, right? You're excited. Oh, Jesus, I love Jesus this, Jesus that. I want the world to know about Jesus. And then one person says, hey, you don't always got to talk about Jesus. And you go, oh, okay, maybe I don't. But now, I, I, but I really want to tell people, oh, somebody says, hey, man, you're cool to hang out with, but you're too much. Oh, maybe I'll turn it down a little bit. Maybe I, maybe I won't shine so bright. And then maybe you're sharing about Jesus and somebody rejects you and says, hey, Jesus isn't even real. Why are you still believing that fairy tale? Oh, oh, man, maybe, maybe, maybe I shouldn't tell so many people about Jesus. Right? And time after time again, your light begins to dim. It starts to get lighter and lighter and lighter. And then before you know it, your light isn't even shining because you've allowed people to snuff it out. You've allowed people the opinions, right? The ideas, the judgments, the, the, the criticisms from other people. You no longer are a light for Christ in this dark and weary world. Light up, Christian. Let your light shine bright. Take the lampshade off of your head. Do not be ashamed of the gospel. Do not let other people dim your light. That's kind of the point of why we're here. Amen? Amen. This is Acts chapter 4, if you guys don't know. Just resetting. That coffee is amazing. Somebody asked what kind of coffee I drink. It's black coffee. Uh, it's uh, Don Francisco. It's like a Hawaiian hazelnut coffee blend. It's amazing. I don't put cream, sugar, nothing like that. I've been drinking black coffee since I can remember. Um, I don't like all that other stuff in it. But I digress. Moving forward. So uh, the Jewish leaders warned the apostles again and let them go free. They couldn't find a way to punish them because all the people were praising God for what had been done. The man who received the miracle of healing was more than 40 years old. So what we see here is so Peter and John, they left the meeting. They go back to the group. Verse 24 says, when the believers heard this, they prayed to God together. Okay. We got over 5,000 believers at this point. 
The believers heard this. They prayed to God together. And then in chapter four, you'll read the prayer that they were praying. So it, it gives you, Lord, you are the one who made the sky, the earth, the sea, and everything in them. By the Holy Spirit, through the Father, David, your servant, you said, and he goes in, he quotes Psalm chapter two. He says, these things really happened when Herod, Pontius Pilate, those who are not Jews and the Jewish people all came together against Jesus here in Jerusalem. Jesus is your holy servant. He goes on to say, uh, these people made your plan happen because of your will and your power. And now, Lord, listen to their threats. Lord, he's asking, help us. He says, help your servants to speak your word without fear. Lord, help us to be brave by showing us your power to heal, give proofs and make miracles happen by the power of Jesus and your Holy Spirit or your Holy Servant. And then here, listen, it says, after, after they had prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they spoke God's word without fear. We must be unashamed of the gospel. Stop dimming your light. Stop allowing the opinions and the judgments and the thoughts of what other people think of you stop you from standing on the truth of God. We must use every ounce of influence, uh, clout, popularity, everything that we have, all of our resources are to be used to make him more known. Stop hiding or being ashamed of losing followers or insulting people or offending people. I would much rather offend people than allow them to find their way to hell. Does that make sense? I would much rather them be mad at me for shining too bright and talking about Jesus than when I'm standing, I don't know if there's the gates of heaven, the pearly gates, right? There's there's always cartoons and there's like a checklist and there's a little angel with a halo and he's like making sure your name's on the list. As I'm going in through the gates according to the cartoons, I don't want people standing in hell looking up, right? This is completely not theological. This isn't even biblical. I'm literally basing it off of growing up and seeing cartoons but you see the picture of people standing in hell looking up at heaven right probably not even going to be able to it's probably not even gonna be like that but they're looking up and saying why didn't you tell me about jesus why didn't you warn me you we we interacted so much we had dinner together we had lunch i didn't even know you were a christian half the time because how you lived your life why didn't you tell me about jesus and you're up there you know you're getting your name checked off and you're like hey man i i, I didn't want to offend you I didn't want you to change. I didn't want you to think differently about me. I didn't want to lose you as a follower. I, I, I didn't want, I, it was uncomfortable. I was ashamed, right? Come on, man. Beth says, that's the parable of the rich man, right? With Lazarus and he's like, well, hey, well, send him, send him back to my brothers. Like, let me go back to my brothers and warn him. You know what I mean? I digress. Let's move forward. Let's finish the book of Acts. You guys are reading this on your own. I'm giving you guys far too much. We haven't even got to our Old Testament verse. So it says the believers share, right? The group of believers were united in their hearts and spirit. All those in the group acted as though their private property belonged to everyone in the group. Verse 33, with great power, the apostles were telling people that the Lord Jesus was truly raised from the dead. And God blessed all the believers very much. It's a beautiful thing, you guys. It's a beautiful thing. Acts chapter four, so much power, so much boldness, so much encouragement as a follower of Jesus. You guys, this is the blueprint. They are praying and asking for power. They are trusting the Holy Spirit to fill them, to give them the words, to plant the seeds, to change the lives, to help the people. That's what our lives are about. It's not about clout. It's not about fame. It's not about followers. It's not about 401ks. It's not about, uh, you know, filling your passport. None of those things are bad. None of those bad, no, like, so it's not a condemnation of those things. I want all those things. I want to travel the world. Like, I want these things. But my every breath, everything that I'm doing, everything that you should be doing, all of our things should be, we should be using everything that we have to make him more known and to help other people put their faith in him. That's it. That's life. That's your purpose. So many people think that their purpose is separate from that. Well, what's my purpose? Andrew, how do you find out your purpose? What's God's plan for my life? Make him more known. Serve him. That's it. Make him more known. Use where you're at, what you got, everything that you have right now, where you're at, and make him more known. Continue going to the places that you're at. If you're working, there's your purpose. Go to work and make him more known. There are people in your spot, your area, your influence, your, your sphere of influence that need to hear Jesus. They need to right now. Once you start to fulfill that purpose, serving God and making him more known, more things will unravel, more opportunities. Once you finish the, the, the assignment of where you're at, another door will open. 
and you will get clear instruction on where to go. The reason why you're confused on what you should be doing is because you're ignoring the assignment of the, of the place that you are in. You're in a place right now. And there's people who need Jesus. And if you're confused on what you should be doing, you should be preaching the gospel and sharing with those people. And once you finish that assignment, then you the, the next step will be revealed. It's that simple. He's not going to lay out all of the breadcrumbs and be like, okay, this is where you're going to be. But no, because you might not, like, we're not promised tomorrow. There's a purpose for where you're at today. Wake up. Let's get it. Psalm chapter 86, put that in there. I'm going to be brief just because uh, <laughs> I'm rambling. Dan, I love it. I have a small area of influence and very little money. Okay. Use what you have, where you're at. I did too. I didn't always have an area of influence like I do today. There, there, there was a time when I had nothing, no money. I didn't have salt and pepper. I didn't have salt and pepper. Listen, I'm going to share a very intimate story. And uh, it's something that even me and my kids, we laugh about. But when I was divorced, um, you know, they, my, my ex-wife came in and, and, you know, she got everything that she needed from the house. I, I stayed in the house and she moved. She took everything that she needed. And um, it was mostly everything. Uh, you know, she left me with some things. But I remember my kids came over to my house and I was like trying to recover, uh, you know, and, and I had like a makeshift couch. I was like trying to piece things back together. Like I had to buy shams, didn't even know what a sham was. Like I had to put curtains, like the curtains were gone. So for the first time in my life, I had to go buy curtain rods. I had to go buy these little things that I didn't even know that I needed or how to buy them or how to measure. Like I had never put a house together. Okay. So here's, here's the, here's the point is one day we're making dinner and I'm like, Hey, hand me the salt and pepper. And they look and they're like, dad, you don't have salt and pepper. And I was like, bro, who takes the salt and pepper? The salt and pepper was gone. Not to be petty. It was just like, hey, I'm grabbing some seasonings and stuff. I'm going to take the salt and pepper. I had some seasonings. I had like oregano. I had like bay leaves. I had these things that they weren't going to help with what we were cooking, but the salt and pepper was gone. There was a time in my life I didn't have salt and pepper. I had to go to the store and buy salt and pepper. I didn't have influence. I didn't have money. I didn't have anything. And so when me and my kids were hanging out, I'm just like, bro, y'all remember when I didn't even have salt and pepper? And they start laughing because they remember the incident like it was yesterday because as I'm cooking, I'm like, oh, I, I don't even got salt and pepper, bro. But I was still able to make an influence with the little bit that I had. Amen. And I say that with jest and there wasn't anything like there was no uh, ill will. There's no animosity between me and their mom. It's just like a silly story that me and the kids hold on to because it was just like, who takes the salt and pepper? But anyway, I digress. Uh, <laughs> so I hear that you don't have much, um, but you can use what you have right now where you're at. Amen. You don't need things. You don't need money. You don't need influence. There's people in your life, right? There's people in your life right now that you can make an impact for Christ with right now. But here we go. In Psalm chapter 86, I'm just going to burn through three verses that I highlighted that I, I really liked. It was 11 through 13. This should be uh, a prayer. I want you guys to pray this um, on a regular basis. Come back to Psalm 86 verses 11 through 13. You guys are reading Psalm 86 on your own. I want you to say this. Teach me thy way, O Lord. Okay? I will walk in thy truth. Unite my heart to fear thy name. Okay? I'm constantly asking, God, I want to know your way. I know my way. I know my way. My way leads to destruction. My way leads to a lot of failures. My way leads to a lot of mistakes. My way leads to irrational fear. My way leads to anxiety. My way leads to depression. My way leads to thoughts of self-harm. My way leads to immorality. My way leads to addiction. My way leads to violence. My way leads to anger. I can continue on for the rest of this time. My way is not the way that I want to go because I know that my way ends me up right into a ditch or running my life straight into a wall. So Lord, teach me your way. Your way is patient. Your way is loving. Your way is kind. Your way is forgiving. Your way is gentle. Your way is understanding. Your way is empathetic. Your way is graceful. Your way is merciful. Your way is filled with peace and comfort and joy. I want to know God's way. My, I want to know God's way. Amen.
Mm, that's good. I will walk in thy truth. Unite my heart to fear your name. When I think of fear in the Bible, I think of respect and reverence. Uh, for me, I, I when, when I think of God, my relationship with my father, my heavenly father, isn't one of where I'm like, you know, where he's going to flex and I'm thinking that he's going to hit me. You know what I mean? Like you see when, when kids or, or animals are abused and you like lean towards them and they, they flinch back like, oh my gosh, oh, I'm just trying to pet you. I'm trying to pet the dog and it flinches and you're like, oh, somebody must hit this dog. Like uh, that's not the kind of fear that I have for God. I have a fear, a respect and a reverence for his power, for his all knowing. He knows everything. This fear that I have is this respect and this reverence. I'm in awe of his power, that he has control of the entire world yet he still chose to send his son to have a relationship with me. I fear that power, but in an awe and respect and a reverence. And I want to know that. I will praise thee, O Lord my God, with all my heart, and I will glorify thy name forevermore. I woke up this morning with a song of praise. I got to go to church last night. Not my own church, but I, I go to church home once a month with Judah Smith um, I actually serve there, and so I had a chance to get fed. And at the end, um, we do worship at the end. We don't do it beforehand. We hear a word. You know, there's always this an amazing altar call. People respond, and then we praise and worship God. And last night was uh, we we sung a, a new song. I don't even remember what it's called, but it was a new song. And I woke up this morning with that song in my heart, and it's just like God won't fail you, and it's like He won't. He won't. He won't fail you. He won't let you go. He won't. Uh, he doesn't make mistakes like this song. I, I woke up on my heart. I want to praise him today. I want to give him glory and honor with everything that I have. I woke up just filled with it. I want to glorify his name. I want to share my testimony. I want people to know what he did in my life. I want him to know that I was a heathen and a minister to society, right? You, didn't, you wouldn't want, want to invite me to your party because I'm going to fight somebody at the party. Like I was a bad human being before Jesus and I want people to know the truth of that, right? I want people to know the truth of that. Before Christ, I was bad. I needed a savior. And I want people to know that whatever you've gone through, whatever you've dealt with, whatever you've experienced, Jesus is enough. He can change your situation. I don't care what it is. I don't care what your sin is. Well, can he change this? Yes. Well, what about this? Yes. Can he fix this? Yes. Yes. The answer is yes. He can. There's nothing that he can't fix, change, or transform. Amen. And then last in verse 13, he says, For great is thy mercy toward me. God is so merciful. And thou hast delivered my soul from the lowest hell. I did not know that uh, the life that I was living was so filled with sin that was so far from God. I didn't know that I was in a living hell, uh, separation from God, not knowing him. I lived a life before I ever truly repented, uh, so disconnected from who God was. Um, I didn't even know that things I was doing were bad. I, I didn't have any understanding of the Bible. I had no conscience. I was mimicking and imitating the environment that I grew up in. I grew up in an environment where I saw adults doing drugs, drinking, having sex, fighting, uh, this, this chronic dysfunction. I didn't understand that that was wrong. I just thought that that was one way to live, right? Nobody told me about sin. Nobody told me about salvation. I didn't understand that the things that I was doing was in opposition to God because I didn't even know that there was really a God. I had thoughts about it. There were inklings, but I had no truth. So I'm so grateful that I was delivered from this separation and this understanding, uh, this lack of understanding of who God was. So I, I read over that with so much hope and praise and, and just like thanking God for the mercy that he's extended to me. So much mercy that he would smile down on me and allow me to be used with my hat backwards, with my earrings in, with myself, my body covered in tattoos, with a rap sheet that's as long as a, I don't know, as a, a receipt. I don't even know if that makes sense. God is so good, so good. And he can use you just like he uses Peter, just like he uses all of his disciples. He wants to use you. That is the purpose of why we are here. He didn't save you so he can set you on a shelf and just, just look at him. I saved that one. Look at him. Look how, look how cute they are. They just sit there. They don't do no, They don't tell nobody about me, but they are saved. They're just sitting there, just loving life. That, no, he, he, he saved us so that we can serve him. And we can worship him and praise him. We all have a purpose and a plan that God has for each one of us. And um, I'm telling you what, 
when you're living that purpose and that plan that he has, there's nothing that compares. There's nothing that compares. There's this high that you're walking on. And I'm not searching for feelings. I'm not searching for highs, but it's an undescribable feeling when you are walking in the plan, the purpose, and the will of what you were created for. When you are functioning in the space that the creator, he made you for a specific function. And, and many of us are outside of our function. We're not operating for what we were designed to do. And so you always, many of you will feel out of place. Some, you know, that thought, something's missing. Something's wrong. Something just doesn't feel right. There's something missing in my life. I feel like I was made for more. How many of us say that? How many of us have felt that? I just feel like I'm missing something. There, there, I feel like I should be doing something else in life, right? That feeling is the Holy Spirit inside of you screaming, saying, hey, this isn't what we were designed for. We have a higher function and it's to serve Christ. That's what we were made for. So please get me out of this rat race, this hamster wheel of life, this monotony, this groundhog day with Bill Murray of a life that just keeps going over and over and it's the same cycle of the same things we were created for more. And that more is serving God. Amen. Mm, amen. Glory to God. Let's pray. Let's get up out of here. Let's pray. That's a lot to sink in. You guys got a, you got a lot to think on, a lot to pray on. You guys can put your prayer requests in the comments. I just want to say thank you guys for the $63 that you guys donated in badges. I promise you it helps our ministry, right? Uh, you guys are, you guys are paying three, four, five, six bucks. All those, those help so much. So we appreciate it. There's no ever no pressure or desire for you guys to donate badges, but as you do, it's a tremendous blessing to our church, right? Our church is Royal City Church. Look at this. This was a gift to me for Christmas. One of the many, right? A Royal City Church cup. It's one of the many. I shared the one Fred got for me a couple weeks ago, um, but this is another one, but this is our church and your guys' badges help keep the doors open. And um, we've had people get saved for services. Our next one is February 20th. We do it once a month, but people are coming in the doors. They're being discipled. They're being uh, fed into and people are being saved. And uh, it's because you guys are partnering with us and preaching the gospel. So I love you guys. I honor you and I thank you. So let's pray together. I'm going to cut you guys loose and we'll be back here tomorrow morning. Amen. Amen. Heavenly Father, we just want to thank you for today. Uh, we want to thank you for your blessings. God, we want to thank you for your grace. We want to thank you for your mercy. God, right now in this place, we just want to praise you. We're not asking, right now, we're not asking for anything. We're not asking for anything. There's no request. Lord, we simply, as the church, as the body of Christ, as 480 people here gathered together, we give you praise. God, we worship you because you are good, you are faithful, you are loving, you never fail, you never give up on us, you never leave us alone, you know what's best for us, you are constantly challenging us and changing us, Lord, you are transforming us, you have picked us up out of the mire and the muck of our sin, you have taken our mess, and God, we are walking miracles. Lord, help us to see that our goal, plan, and purpose for our lives is to bring you praise and to bring you glory and to serve you and to tell people about your goodness and tell people about the opportunity to be saved and not to be eternally separated from you. God, we praise you. Our, the only thing that we ask for today, God, even as the prayer requests are coming in, the only thing that we ask, Lord, is that your will would be done. Mm. Holy Spirit, we ask that your will would be done in, in all of these requests, in our health, in our finances, in our relationships, God, in every situation, in our mental health, God, in our physical health, that every situation, Lord, that is lifted up, every request, our only prayer is that your will would be done and that you would help us to understand and discern what that is. Mm, Holy Spirit, God, we ask that you, this is what we ask for. We ask for increased discernment. We ask for increased knowledge. We ask for increased wisdom. We ask for increased foresight and understanding. We want to see what you see. God, help us to know what you know. Help us to understand that the things that we don't know are happening for your glory. Not for our glory, but for your glory, Lord. And that's what we want. We know that all situations, not some, not a few, but all situations work out for your glory. And so help us to discern and understand that. 
Help us to understand and to receive a no. Lord, help, help us to receive a no. Help us to receive a closed door with grace and understanding, knowing that as you close doors, as you say no, it's not because you don't like us or you don't love us, but because you do love us, that you are protecting us, that you are redirecting us, that you have something better for us, that your no's and closed doors have goodness and love written all over them. It's not a rejection. You're not denying us. You're not pushing us away. Help us to understand that you do so. Regardless of our feelings, you do so because you love us. Help us to understand that. God, today we love you, we praise you, and we give you thanks. And we pray all of this in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. Uh, I love you guys. And, and I mean that. I mean that. I show up every day because I look forward to seeing you. I look forward to praying with you guys. I look forward to, uh, you know, preaching, man. Letting the Holy Spirit show up and show out. I honor you guys. And uh, I'm so appreciative of what we've created here. This is something that I look forward to. This is not a burden. This is an absolute blessing and privilege that, you know, almost 500 people would show up and, uh, you know, read the word of God with me. So today you guys are reading Acts chapter 4 and Psalm chapter 86. Please do me a favor and read your devotions. Get in there, read your devotions. This isn't story time with Pastor Andrew. Read your part and, and make sure that you guys are applying the context and the thoughts and, and allowing this to come to the forefront of your mind and your heart throughout the day. Right? Carry around that same boldness, that same confidence that Peter and John had when they were healing this man uh, in the temple and then you know, facing the, the accusers and the ones who sent Jesus to his death with so much boldness, without any care right? of repercussion, of, of the consequence. Uh, but they allowed Jesus to, to they allowed the Holy Spirit to speak through them and they made an impact. They almost doubled their following from three to five, almost double. Amen? Amen. I love you guys. I honor you. And I will see you guys all here tomorrow where we read Acts chapter five and Psalm chapter 87. God bless you guys.